we're gonna intro yes okay do you want to go first or shall no, i No, because you have a list you're more prepared i i do which is weird out of the two of us i would have thought you would have had the list but now what's that supposed to mean i mean i'm just saying you know you're organized and on the ball anyway um type okay. a <laughs> Or, well, everyone's that if you're in academics. Um, so I am Leah Robinson, who's doing this podcast uh, with my pal, Kevin. Um, I am a theologian by trade, or so I'm told. Um, so I do have a PhD in theology from University of Edinburgh, shout out. Maybe we can get some bra- some branding for that. The Royal Mile. <laughs> the Royal Mile. That sounded really <laughs> southern. <laughs> when Royal becomes one word, Royal Mile. Consonants are consonants are optional. Do we want to say where we teach? Yeah, I think we could say. Okay. Um, so I teach, I taught at Edinburgh University and Glasgow University in Scotland, and now I teach at Pfeiffer University in North Carolina. Um, so I do mostly stuff related to practical theology, but I also look at religion and violence, <laughs> which is more fun than it sounds. Um <laughs> It's all Game of Thrones. It all, yeah, pretty much just Game of Thrones. And also I do stuff with like feminist, black, queer theology stuff. So like liberation theology. Um, I like cats and wine and the beach and good music. And I have a high standard for that. So that's me. Mm-hmm. Boom. There you go. Talking about yourself is kind of terrible. It is very awkward, isn't it? That's it probably is. why it, it when you like someone always introduces someone because it would just be weird to get up there and have to introduce yourself, right? I guess so, but I always used to feel weird introducing other people. Like I was, I was just like, I mean, and I like singing other people's praises, but it just felt sort of like you're reading off. Like if especially right. if you know that person, you want to be like that's Greg. Like, yeah, he's got a PhD from Cambridge and he's written a bunch of books, but Greg also has great taste in whiskey. Like yes. you kind of don't want to just be like, whatever. But You want it professional and personal. And then you yeah. want the person pleased, but at a certain yeah. point, the audience glazes over. <laughs> Basically. They haven't done that yet now though. So you're fine. They haven't done that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Segue to you, Dr. Taylor. My name's Kevin Taylor. And I teach at Pfeiffer in theology um, and miscellaneous stuff. Um, I guess I do more of the old stuff. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I would put you in like, yeah, because you do history too, don't you? Right. Uh, Like literature too. Yeah. I'm a man without a country. They've taken my passport. I'm a citizen of the world. That accent would suggest otherwise, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> uh, Is North Carolina a country? I'm not sure. Close <laughs> enough. 
yeah, yeah I wish you had the I, literature, um, theology, and the arts group. Yeah, I guess that's my tribe. Although I really don't know much about visual art. So it's, I would be really lost if I had to do, I mean, that would be neat. It would be great to learn, like sculpture stuff. Well, in all of your spare time, you should go and. I should pick it up. How hard can it be? Just start. (laughs) You just have to start and then you just keep doing it till you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like mowing the lawn. Just keep doing it till it's done. Just go, yep. That's right. Any other fun facts? Uh, fun facts. Um, I play a little guitar. Um, should be a lot better considering how long I've been playing. And uh, yeah, I like science fiction and like some um, interesting movies. I like Alan Moore a lot, comic book writer, weirdo. Um, yeah, I don't know. That is really awkward to talk about yourself. We may uh, have to record this again. I was, no, you're doing great. I was trying to not interrupt you because I was like wanting to at various points. So. I'm at a that'll, be, that'll be my problem throughout the whole thing. Right. It's, but then it's I more can... about enthusiasm than rudeness, although I guess it's one and the same. But... I can do get a cup of coffee while you <laughs> talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we do for a living, isn't it? Just <laughs> Professional talkers. Talk, talk to ourselves while the nameless masses yes. watch. So a... we we chose the title, Theology is Annoying, <laughs> for our podcast, which I think is sexy and fun. Um, but one of my things that I have on no list not at all prepared is why do we think that theology is annoying? Cause we both started laughing pretty hard at that, mm-hmm. at the suggestion. So there's some truth that's ringing in the midst of that. So, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, especially people that are supposedly in the field itself are irritated by it. <laughs> the maybe that's probably true. Anytime something becomes a vocation, then it, it's sort of, you know, you you see all the nooks and crannies and frustrations, but maybe theology in part, it's so it, it's so big and ultimate, like it's kind of an absurd attempt to speak of God and, you know, human meaning and all these things. And yeah. it, so it just kind of, it does get annoying and it invites a certain smugness too. Because of course, if, if you yeah. know what God wants, then you're 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 aspiring for divinity yourself so i don't know what do you think yeah no i mean i think that's right i think we're do we have such a ridiculous job like i remember (laughs) i mean it really really is ridiculous like from a really basic perspective like we're trying to figure out stuff about something that's never been at least revealed to us personally i mean i will make no assumptions about your situation um but i have not come into contact directly with you know jesus or god in terms of like having a conversation about what i should write my next book about so i think it's it's kind of i remember reading something recently about 
there was like a Guardian article out about the what what is it the new atheists or something and they were they had made fun of the illusion. Are they still around? They I think a couple of them are dead. <laughs> no one. <laughs> we all know where they went. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Just kidding, guys. You're fine. Um, so. Well, someone was like, what happened to them? And I was like, they probably had to go back to, like, teaching what they were supposed to teach to begin with, like, when they got mm-hmm. hired. Because weren't they, like, botanist and, like, various other not Something religion? like that. Yeah. I guess Christopher Hitchens was a bit of a public intellectual, which yeah. is kind of code for, you know, someone who makes their living through books. I think the Guardian said he's now a Twitter troll. So maybe that's, that's... Dawkins. Dawkins. I oh, think. sorry. Okay. Well, that Harvey one Hitchens is. is dead. Oh, R.I.P. Hitch. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I thought you were on Twitter. Just trolling. They both have two syllables in their name, so they are easily confusable. It's true. Yeah. So out with the fact that I think true knowledge of God is fairly impossible. So we're just sort of analyzing stuff. Um, texts and actions in human history. Um, but yeah, I think it's the smugness. Like I, and I didn't realize that. Like I thought we were, mm. I think when I started seminary, I just thought we were all trying to like pursue this admirable goal of like trying to make the world a better place and like accurately, as accurately as possible, interpret these ancient documents and, you know, sort of go to church every once in a while. And like you realize that there's a hierarchy, I think. I didn't realize this talk about Scotland, but like about theological subjects. So like if you study systematics, that was the big thing at Edinburgh was like, you know, if the systematic theologians and the philosophical theologians were kind of like seen as being legit. Mm-hmm. And the practical is- theologians were kind of doing Which everything is else bizarre uh, when you think about it and i only realized this recently that so many important theologians were not systematic theologians like john wesley was not a systematic theologian luther wasn't a systematic theologian paul jesus though it's weird how systematic theology got so smug because it's not as if everybody is a card-carrying systematic thinker yeah. Right. I mean, John Wesley wasn't philosophical theologian. Exactly. I mean, I think it's a very contemporary development. I think it's a way of sort of. I think as theologic as theology became more and more sort of uh, global, there was this idea that we have to kind of protect. I think it's a power yeah. play. Like we have to protect Probably, yeah. that which is, you know, you can use whatever word you want. That which is orthodox. That which is true. That which is. Um, what should be the guiding force um, in anyone's life, you know, that sort of thing. And it became this sort of little bubble. And what's funny is the people that sort of began to be associated with that, I think is weird. Like you had, and again, this may just be a, I've been living in Scotland for the past 11 years. So this may just be a Scottish thing, but like Karl Barth, I think I always make fun of Karl Barth, but the only reason I do is because I feel like he needs to, (laughs) You know, he was a great thinker, but I feel like he's been lifted up to Jesus status by some mm-hmm. of these folks. Like, you kind of have to mention him. It's like, Der- yeah, no, like Derrida, you need to, like, throw in a 
art quote somewhere so that you get seen as legit. Yeah. No, uh, and he, he never, I don't think he ever intended to have that any kind of status. I mean, I'm sure he thought he was right, but, but, <laughs> but, but it, it's more, well, it's this weird thing like the Bardians, like the people that follow him are the ones that want to canonize him. And the same thing with Calvin and the Calvinists that, uh-huh. that like, like John Wesley likes Calvin, but he doesn't like Calvinists because they're smug and, and they, they, he, to him, they've, they've misunderstood election and things. So it, it is this weird kind of legacy thing of people protecting and, and Baltazar people are often sort of defensive and they want to show how clever Baltazar was about his aesthetics. And then they never escape that um, quagmire. You should, like one, you should be a, you should confess yourself as a Balthazar to the, is there Balthazarians? Is that a thing? Yes. Oh yes. Of course there are. Would you claim that Defend. status? Uh, I would claim his influence, but, okay. but, and I, and I think that's probably more honest to him because like Bart, I don't, they never sought to be included in the scriptural canon, but somehow they, you know, part of it maybe is they're both of them are so complex that once you've gotten in and studied them it's almost like you have to defend the vast amount of time you've spent your life trying to understand them like it becomes a self-defense of we must protect calvin or else i've just wasted a lot of my time you know it's almost like a it's a self-protection i think so and i did say once at edinburgh i was like is there anything new to be written about Bart? And someone looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, so, and I know like there were volumes, you know, of course there's always something to be said. I think it's just so interesting. Like, and it may be a testament to his brilliance that like people continue to talk about him um, and still write about him. And really just that school, I think like the Bart school is just, really strong you know so it's just interesting i i but it you know and and i think again that's where that smugness comes in it's the the sort of the hierarchy of of i wonder if it's also a protestant catholic thing as well do you find that because balthazar is firmly in the catholic group he is but he strangely attracts certain protestants that um i guess because there's not a protestant aesthetics really I mean, some people have tried to argue that there's an approach, but Protestants aren't into that. So the ones that get into Baltazar, like, really get into it um, mm-hmm. and, and get sort of mesmerized by it. So there's this weird Protestant appreciation of him, uh, or there's the Catholics that sort of want to defend and, and protect his legacy. Um, yeah. So, so it, it's weird. He has a very wide appeal to all sorts of, you know. Um, I like the people. stuff I read. He's, he's quite zany, so I think he that's is. why he has this appeal. And I, in a good way. I think I had just been reading. I mean, like I, whenever I was um, at Edinburgh, we had someone who was doing stuff on Catholic literature. Uh, shout out to Dr. Lyndon Bickett. Um, and I hadn't really read a lot in terms of Catholic theology, and mm-hmm. I started reading it, and it was just the stuff that I was reading was really focused on ideas like mystery, like God is mystery and mm-hmm. like not really a need to sort of systematize things, but just to kind of speculate, you know, and to contemplate 
sort of these ideas. And there was a lot of, you know, beauty language and nature language. And I was like, wow, this is nice, you know, Mm -hmm. because it feels like, again, this is a terrible sort of, uh, sort of uh, stereotype, but the idea of Protestant theology is being like, it was, I felt like it was more like a logic, you know, like the sort of systematic, we're going to say, um, a sort of philosophical way of viewing theology. That was sort of what we were talking about earlier, which is the A plus B equals C kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a certain logic and lack of aesthetics in Protestant theology and and the exam or the exception is milton like he creates this paradise lost but there really aren't a lot of great protestant but i mean yeah i mean it's kind of a sweeping generalization but just don't get the big big you know you just don't get a lot of paradise lost and that kind of stuff or sorry dang it i just messed up (laughs) Uh, you don't get a lot of the dante stuff you know yeah 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 that's more of a catholic thing it seems like but um Yes, it's it, it, theology. It is it is really weird, and I've thought how a lot of churches and denominations, Methodist church, they require systematic theology, and that's kind of ironic because the founder of the Methodist movement was not a systematic theologian. So you can kind of say like, why do you require systematic theology? And I think you're right; it's kind of a recent development, and it is kind of a a, a bit of a power thing and a university status expectation and. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think, and it depends like, because it seems like systematics are, are more sort of geared around um, themes, aren't they? So like the Trinity and atonement and all of that sort of thing. And, and I, I don't think I would mind it as much if, so you teach this at Pfeiffer, but do you teach it from a historical perspective or do you teach it from a thematic perspective? Well, the McGrath texts, does both he kind of does history first and then he does do the thematic approach so he's kind of wedded both and it's always inescapably historical because the the creeds and the scriptures like they're coming out you have history so i think i would have more time for it if it's sort of yeah it was just like here's the history of like theological development so right I mean, you always have to do that some i think and there are approaches that are more just straight up historical theology but I try to tell students systematic is great in that it's so portable and consultable. Like you can go yeah. to Calvin's institutes and look up what he said about the Lord's supper. And you can't do that with Wesley. You'd have to look here, 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 and here. So there's an advantage to it being this sort of set thing, but there is a smugness um, to it and kind of the sense of completion. Mm, like we're and done. We figured it out. We're done. This, this and is course, the answer. Like... Yeah. Yeah. And irony is Bart actually, wasn't able to complete it. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of very apt because it is always unfinished. He did that on purpose. So dramatic. Yeah. Maybe just got tired. Left this earthly plane before. (laughs) (laughs) So, no. So I, so every, well, I'm not going to say we do this every time, but I have non theology question for Uh-oh. you are you ready i'm ready dun 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 it's not super hard so i just finished watching the american horror story 
Apocalypse. Ah. So American Horror Story is starting to become one of my favorite television series of all time. So the question is, what is your favorite TV series of all time? Favorite series of all time? Of TV all show? time. And I mean, you've had m- many more years than me. Oh, so like gosh. you probably have like a lot. Here we go. Here we go. Television. Uh, yeah, like, a lot. Yes. Stanford and Sons and all of those. <laughs> oh it's oh it's did they did, were they, so true was there sound coming out of the television when you were watching TV? well we provided so dad had an organ and he would sort of play that <laughs> during the you know so yeah we had to like dad turn it down um yeah i don't know it's such a moving target and i'm so i fall for whatever i'm obsessed with at the time but you know, Breaking Bad, or something. I think I'd have to say Breaking Bad, maybe The Wire. But I agree, the American Horror Story would be. I, I think it's a great sort of. You have just said three. You have to pick. Oh, uh, and I just told you it's a moving target. Yeah. Oh. The Wire. I'd have to say The Wire. HBO's The Wire. You know, I've never seen The Wire. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But yeah. why? What about it? It 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 creates a place, and it just feels so real and from the language to you know their lives like you're just immersed in another world which is the baltimore police force and other they also then shift to the docks there in baltimore and i I don't know it's just in the characters and okay it's been a while but but yeah i remember thinking like where is this set is it like compton or like la and all, they're yeah, like, it's no, Baltimore. it's Baltimore. And I was like, Baltimore? I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there was all this crazy stuff going on in Baltimore. I sort of associated Baltimore with like upper middle class Washington, D.C. suburb situation. Right. Well, you know, it kind of show is suggesting that probably every place is more interesting than we know. And And Alan Moore is doing that with Northampton, trying to argue that this little place in the middle of England really matters because every place matters. So there's that weird, you know, going deep, you end up finding sort of importance and everything. So when did they start doing the, um, the show about Meisenheimer? (laughs) (laughs) Or Um, Albemarle, the hardest name. It's, it's, I think it's next week, actually. I think it's next week. It's next week. Are you, are you going to star in that? I tried, um, but my agent's not, I mean, he, it must be he's having, you know, maybe because of the cold weather, because he's not calling me back, and I don't know why else. <laughs> must be the cold. I'm sure that's, I'll call tomorrow. Did you know that my small town that has, like, I mean, I don't know how, I'm from a town called Ringgold, Georgia, and I think it probably has, like, I want to Google it right now. It cannot possibly have 3,000 people in it. I may be being a bit whatever here, but they actually did uh, the census. Oh, sorry. It has 26,000. I find that hard to believe. (laughs) 3,000. And that's why you end up in the humanities. This is. (laughs) Oh, math. Um, (laughs) This is in the Wrinkled School District, though. So it's not necessarily a city. I'm going to cover Wrinkle or Wrinkle? 
ring gold, like a, like, like a ring that's gold. I don't really know, like, the background. It's something about, like, a, some probably general of the Civil War slash American Revolution. That's kind of standard. Um, but there is a reality show that was on that is about my town. This tiny, tiny town. And it's called Small Town Security. Hmm. And it's so strange. Like, they just... I don't think... But I think... Because there's not much to do there. There's, like, a food lion and, like, a courthouse. But, like, I think it's this sort of obsession with, like, small town nostalgia. I think this is coming back. Hmm. Which would segue mm-hmm. into my favorite TV show of all time, which was, do you know this? I've told you before. Mm. Charlie's Angels. No, I don't. Which I is a direct segue from Small Town. <laughs> 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 Twin Peaks. I feel like I've told you this before. Maybe. I don't remember that. Twin Peaks. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I missed that when it came out, to be honest. And I was starting to watch it just a few years ago on Netflix. And then I somehow... I think I just got it fell off the wagon, so I've never finished it. You have to finish it. I know, I know. It's mysteries and mysteries, yeah. But it's that same sort of like when you're describing the wire, like obviously completely different scenarios here. Um, but not, but, not, but not in some ways, yeah. yeah. So it's this yeah, idea yeah. of like a central mystery or whatever. And then the mystery, not really meaning that much, like, because what becomes important is sort of the space and then the people in the space. Um, it's just fantastic. It's great. I'm sad. Right. I stopped, right. stopped watching it. Yeah. I, it wasn't intentional. It's just like, I don't know. I had to mow the yard and then I, I don't know, like something, <laughs> something happened. And then the next day, and then I kind of just <laughs> couldn't finish. I wanted but, you to say like, I had a limb, a limb, a limb <laughs> amputated or something like that. Right, you right. Just, yes, you just yeah. mowed the yard. Just had to and they just, they didn't have Netflix and rehab when I was trying to work on the, <laughs> you know, getting used to my, my new state of affairs. Well, you should, you should revisit it. Yeah, I need revisit to, it. I need to. Um, I mean, it's got that weird dated feeling, the camera cuts and the, you know, the, the music and it's got the heavy keyboard. So it, it, it's almost cool again. That's what I'm trying. At one point, it felt painful, I think, to watch a show like that. And now it's kind of cool again. It is. That makes sense. And like, David Lynch is amazing. If you David Lynch is amazing. David Lynch. Let's, let's just keep repeating it until David Lynch reaches out for us to star in his film about Meisenheimer. He probably would love Meisenheimer, actually. He'd probably walk in and would. be like, God, what kind of mysteries lie beneath this lake on campus <laughs> and is this the place that that podcast emerged from exactly that's that's what he's gonna say those are those people that's it well right. i want to thank our listeners and um be, do follow us at on twitter at theology is is our handle but this is the theology is annoying podcast and i'm kevin taylor i'm leah robinson Bye.